Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, joined by Jake McGee. Thanks. And Dave Somerville. Hello. Hello, gentlemen. How are we doing today? Uh, we're free from COVID, so I feel much better. Yes, absolutely the same. Just uh, keep an eye on every single transaction within the NFL, so can't wait for today's show. Well, yes, I mean, obviously, last week's show we did, and then it became obsolete in about 20 minutes, because as soon as we came off the air and the window opened at 9pm GMT, everybody traded for everybody else, and now all the people that we spoke about have either been traded or cut or re-signed or some of them nothing has happened to so uh, we've got to go through the AFC's free agency movements but of course uh, some of the big deals have affected NFC teams as well so we will of course talk about them we should get right off the bat starting with the AFC East and the Buffalo Bills Uh, they signed quarterback Matt Barkley to a one-year deal they acquired Case Keenum in a trade with the Browns for a 2022 seventh round pick Wide receiver Jameson Crowder signed a one-year deal uh, worth up to $4 million by Tom Palacero. And they signed running back Duke Johnson to a one-year contract. Wide receiver Jake Kumaru and Isaiah McKenzie have both re-signed. They also signed tight end OJ Howard, who we mentioned last week, to a one-year deal. Guard Roger Saffold, center Mitch Morse, defensive end Shaq Lawson. Uh, they signed three defensive linemen uh, in Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips, cornerback Siren Neal, and of course the big one, linebacker Von Miller, six-year, $120 million contract, $51 million in guarantees. Um, so that's, uh, what is that, 17, 17 and a half million through the first four years. That's from Ian Rappaport. Gentlemen, the Buffalo Bills have been very, very busy in free agency, uh, busy signing and re-signing. What do, we, what do we think of the Buffalo Bills and the changes that they've made so far this offseason? Well, from my point of view, the Von Miller trade, uh, well, not even trade, the Von Miller deal, at this point, they may as well offer him a 20-year contract because that is just astronomical for someone of Von Miller's age. Do you really think in five, six years' time he's still going to be at the level he's currently at? I don't think so. I'm not impressed by the numbers from the Bills' side. of uh, Von Miller, he's laughing all the way to the bank. I think with their, with the other trades, uh, other deals that you've mentioned, I think they've done really well. A lot of depth there. Uh, Duke Johnson coming in uh, at running back. Jameson Crowder as well, signing on a one-year deal. OJ Howard is a massive one. I think he's one of the, he was one of the most kind of sought after tight ends in free agency. Roger Saffold, former Ram uh, guard, he signed a one year deal. He he will provide some much needed experience there. But yeah, I think the Bills could be could have just built the, those few last pieces for our Super Bowl run. It does seem that they've sort of gone all out on these one and two year deals to cover as many positions as possible. Address yeah, almost the, the depth. Yeah. yeah, they signed one, two, three, four defensive linemen, and then Von Miller. And I get where you're coming from. That contract, six years, one hundred twenty million. I don't mm-hmm. think the Bills are paying that out because they think Von Miller is worth that. I think they wanted to basically give him a contract that he would not be able to refuse and that no other team would even come close to offering. They saw what he did for the Rams last year and I think they've they've really gone all out to to try and uh, make that big 
push uh, to to get to the Super Bowl. You know, they've got Josh Allen. Josh Allen's a great quarterback. They've got some solid receivers. They've upgraded uh, the receivers. They've upgraded their running backs. They seem to be doing everything to upgrade the defense. So I think Bills seem to really be pushing, particularly just over this next year or two. I think uh, Brandon Bean is loved in Buffalo, and rightly so, because he's a bit of a genius. Even with the Von Miller contract, it's actually more of a three-year deal with most of the guarantees being in the first three years. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Von Miller does not see out those six years. But like like Dave mentioned about OJ Howard, I think that's a great signing. But at one point, the Bills were, I think, six million over the cap. And then they added eight players, including Von Miller and OJ Howard. So again, proving that the cap is just a myth. It doesn't seem to matter what teams are under or over the cap. Uh, you look at the, the Saints, I think, um, it was it not like... $14 or something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it was the, the Chiefs were $8 over. That was the Chiefs. Uh, I beg your pardon. So the Chiefs uh, were $8 over uh, and then signed Patrick Mahomes to a half-billion-dollar contract. <laughs> the cap. The, uh, the only other nugget I had for the Bills was that Von Miller will, will be the first player with a Super Bowl MVP to ever play for the Bills. So considering some of the players they've had play for them, that's uh, an interesting nugget as well. And then... They've released a few players with Cole Beasley and Star Lutalele, the former Panther. So mm. I suppose that probably made way for some of the cap space. The first Super Bowl winner to play for the Bills? Super Bowl MVP. Oh, I beg your pardon. Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. Well, of course, they did have that magical run through the early 90s and reaching four in a row, but of course they did lose all of them. Yeah, they lost all four, so I don't think there was many MVPs. No, not many MVPs in that, unfortunately. Um, plenty of Hall of Famers from those teams in the early 90s. Oh, but, absolutely. But no Super Bowl uh, MVPs, unfortunately. Um, okay, so moving on, we now have the Miami Dolphins, who made so many moves, it's, it's hard to keep track of. Again, a lot of one- and two-year deals for the Dolphins, uh, including, of course, quarterback Teddy Bridgewater. But they also got uh, running backs Chase Edmonds and uh, Raheem Mostert. They also got wide receivers Trent Sherfield. They re-signed Preston Williams, uh, Cedric Wilson as well. And, of course, they put Mike Gusecki on the franchise tag. And they made some other they made some other ones on the defensive side of the ball as well. Particularly the big one, re-signing Emmanuel Logba to a four-year $65.4 million deal. Dave, what do you what do you think of the moves that the, the Dolphins have made? I think they've kind of had to do a lot of uh, wheeling and dealing because I think they were quite disappointed last season. They've got obviously high hopes for Tua. I think they're the only ones in the league that do have high hopes for Tua. Teddy Bridgewater coming in is, I think, a really good, signing for them one year 6.5 million fully guaranteed could be up to 10 million with incentives that's so i think we, we can safely say it'll be a 6.5 million fully guaranteed Ooh. and that's all that you'll get but um i think we've got um chase ed you know chase edwards at running backs well raheem mostert you know two fairly experienced running backs i think they've, they've done really well there they've re-signed their two tight ends well uh, i don't know if mike gazicki has actually re-signed he'll be probably he was going to be playing on the franchise tag and they, they signed a quite a few linebackers as well uh, mostly to one-year deals i believe um yes a, so a lot I, of one and two year deals mm-hmm. so far uh, between the bills and the dolphins just so many i'm not sure if there's a, you see other teams who are putting these big huge long contract extensions for people and big contracts and there are other mm-hmm. teams who really do seem to go for more for these one and two year contracts and they're not huge i mean raheem mostert's one year 
3.125 million. It's not breaking the bank. Chase Edmonds, on the other hand, two years, 12.6 million. I mean, his mm-hmm. 6 million guaranteed, 6.1 million, is almost double Raheem Mostert's entire contract. Yeah, and you've you've also got uh, Cedric Wilson that they've signed to a three-year, I think it was $22.8 million deal with 12.75 fully guaranteed. Um, these players seem to be the ones that they want to build around. I think that's the kind of structure that the majority of the teams are going for. They're, they'll pick a few star players. They'll put them on these three, four, five-year deals uh, with a, a big load of fully guaranteed money. And then the players that are borderline journeymen, for example, all, all the one-year sort of smaller two-year deals, these guys are going to come come in and fill in the gaps, uh, maybe not quite necessarily in the in leadership role, but they're going to make up the numbers and try to be as effective as they can. I think uh, Manuel Ogba, pretty essential for the Dolphins. I think he was one of their, their best players on defense uh, last year. They've got some They've got some good names coming in, but I don't think it's going to be enough to top the Bills or potentially a resurgent Patriots. I think the one kind of marquee signing is yet to come. From everything I'm seeing on Twitter, it seems more and more likely that Toronto Armstead is going to sign with the Dolphins. And obviously that would be absolutely massive. That looks likely. It's not nothing confirmed, but it looks likely. And I think with the new coaching staff, if anyone was wondering what kind of identity Miami are going to run. I think we've all kind of touched on it there that I think they're going to run the ball. I mean, they've signed those two running backs you've both mentioned. They also signed, I think it's former Raiders fullback, Alex Ingold, um, to the second highest fullback contract. So I think we're already seeing kind of the identity of the the next season's Miami Dolphins. They're going to run the ball. Sorry, I was just going to ask about Terran Armstead. Would you, well, both of you, would you rank him as a top five left tackle? 100% when he stays healthy. That's I think so. Healthy. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I don't. I haven't seen anything that would make me rank him any lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing is his health. Yeah, if it, and it's hard for uh, big men, tackles, guards who are getting hit on every single play. To um, once they pick up some sort of injury, it's hard for them to stay healthy for a good length of time because it's it's those types of injuries. Uh, particularly when it comes to ligaments and joints for these big guys who are well over 300 pounds. It doesn't matter how much you work out in the gym. You can make yourself twice as strong as you are. You can't make your ligaments twice as strong as they are. So there's all that extra pressure. And, you know, you're being hit sideways and forwards and backwards by other 300-pound men on every single plate. It's going to take its toll on you. So if he can stay healthy, absolutely. Top five, I'd put him there. The reason I say that is because looking at some of the, their other deals, for example, with Emmanuel Ogba, uh, now $65.4 million deal over four years uh, with 32.7 guaranteed. I think Terran Armstead's contract is going to be a lot more than that. I, I think if he does sign up for the Dolphins, I think you're looking at kind of four four years, uh, maybe $80 million, $90 million. I think that because that that's the numbers that are being touted about. So it'll, it's going to be really interesting to see if they do kind of build that offensive line around Terran Armstead. But uh, I'm from what I've seen, I think he's a really good left tackle. Um, it's it's hard to put many above him, really. You know, give him one on one with maybe one AD nine nine, and yeah, I think we'll see his contract reduced, or you you may as well put a one million dollar 
man in there instead of a $100 million left tackle uh, coming up against someone like Aaron Donald. Always finding a way to bring him back to the Rams, aren't you? Always. Absolutely. Always. We, we, you know, we apologize for this every week that we go on. We do the, not. The Broncos. Well, I know I do on your behalf that I go on about the Broncos and you go on about the Rams. And Jake's not as guilty. He does, you I know, try. I he, try. He, he does his best. Um, but uh, so we, we should uh, move on to the next team, uh, which is, of course, the New England Patriots, who've really not made a lot of signings. They've been very stable. They've re-signed a lot of players. They did agree to terms of one real uh, one-year deal for Jacob Hollister. They signed Ty Montgomery. There was, of course, the trade. They received Mac Wilson, the linebacker from Cleveland, in exchange for defensive end Chase Winovich. And then I believe the only other thing they did was they signed cornerback Terrence Mitchell to a to a one-year, two-year contract. I don't know how much that was. But uh, it is the Wilson-Winovich trade that was the big story for New England. They've really done done not much else. Jake, what do you what do you make of that? Yeah, well, the only other trade was the one that we mentioned last week with the, the books, with Shaq Mason going for a fifth to the books. Mm. So they've lost their offensive coordinator and play caller and Josh McDaniel. Their offensive line coach went over to, to the Raiders as well. And then now they've lost... I think both starting guards. So if it was anyone but the Patriots, I would be very concerned. I think over the next coming days, we might see some very Patriots-esque moves in terms of bringing back familiar names. So Trey Flowers was released from the Lions. Obviously did really well at the Patriots and then went to the Lions for, for big, big money and didn't pan out. Malcolm Butler is coming back to the league and I believe he's had like a tryout with the Patriots. It always seems to be the way and it happens so many times that Players play well for the Patriots. They go off to get paid and get their big contracts. It doesn't pan out. And they come back for chips um, at the Patriots and, and have a resurgence. It seems to be the Patriot way. I think Devin McCourty is a big uh, re-signing. Uh, one year, $9 million. But uh, Ty Montgomery had some much-needed experience at the back there as well. So um, I do know that uh, Leonard Fournette had visited the Patriots uh, prior, the day before signing a new deal with the Bucks, uh, so the Patriots could be in the market for another kind of more experienced running back as well. Even though they've re-signed James White and they have Ty Montgomery now as well. Yeah, he's looking for uh, Tom Brady and got got a bit confused. Did Paul Leonard Fournette? <laughs> <laughs> we then come to the New York Jets. What can we say about the Jets, gentlemen? The the quarterback position has been so difficult for this team. They've re-signed Joe Flacco to a to a one-year deal. A lot of people wondering why they would even bother doing that. They're all hoping and praying that Zach Wilson would be the guy. And when he went down, Mike White looked uh, looked the real deal for one game. I believe it was. They've done a few things. They've re-signed a couple of players. Tevin Coleman's been re-signed. They did manage to re-sign Braxton Berrios, who was very important to them last year. They signed two tight ends, uh, CJ Uzoma and Tyler Conklin. They tried to beef up the offensive line. Uh, they signed Lakin Tomlinson, so three years, $40 million deal, including $27 million guaranteed. Um, and on the defensive side of the ball, they signed linebacker Jacob Martin, three years, $13.5 million, And of course, cornerback DJ Reed as well. Safety Jordan Whitehead, two-year contract, $14.5 million. But all the talk in New York is about the quarterbacks. What do you think is going on over in New York? With the quarterback, it is very uncertain. Um, obviously, like you say, they're hoping it pans out. 
with Wilson as it is. But I've got some newfound faith in the Jets. I'm hoping they'll turn it around one of these days because I think Joe Douglas is, uh, quite frankly, kicking a bit of butt right now. He uh, traded, I think it's a linebacker called Blake Cashman to the Texans for a sixth rounder. And now that doesn't sound, you know, groundbreaking, but uh, Cashman have played 36 snaps over two years. So the fact to get anything for that, I think, is fantastic. And then last year it was he traded Chris Herndon to the Vikings for a fourth, which is obviously good capital to get. Mm. Um, and then you mentioned that they signed uh, Conklin in the free agency, who basically outplayed Herndon to the point where Herndon wasn't getting many snaps in Minnesota. So they got a fourth and then got the player who was playing better than him. So I think some of their moves have been quite savvy. But I just I can't get past this re-signing of Joe Flacco. I I just keep looking at it and wondering why. I've seen firsthand what Joe Flacco is capable of, and I was not impressed. And in fact, throughout his career, I've I've never been that impressed with Joe Flacco. He did have that one postseason stretch of of three games where he looked um, pretty mighty, but other than that, he's really not done anything to warrant getting these contracts um, from other teams. I don't know. Dave, do you have any opinion on that? Do you think I'm just spitting in the wind here? Uh, no, I think Joe Flacco's time has been and gone. Um, I, I think they, they could be going along the lines of having Joe Flacco, uh, an experienced backup, but at the same time, they need someone to mentor their uh, young uh, new-ish quarterback who had a very up-and-down season last year. I, th- I think with, with the with the Jets, they're a work in progress. Just the progress is questionable at this stage. The thing I'd just like to point out about the Jets, so I'm quite quite enthusiastic about their uh, re- their free agency and re-signings uh, in the backfield. Uh, DJ Reed, I think, is a fantastic corner. Three-year deal, 33 million con- contract. Jordan Whitehead is a very good safety. He signed a two-year deal worth 14.5 million. And former Ram Lamarcus Joyner, who I was sad to see go when he did leave the Rams, has re-signed on another one-year deal. So I think they're making progress uh, on defense. But again, like, like you said, though, I think the quarterback position is just the least impressive, I think, uh, in the organization. So Joe Flacco, <laughs> I, I mean, he's, he's very under. I was very underwhelmed when I saw that. And I did have a little giggle to myself thinking... Wow, he's got an agent. He's got a fantastic agent that rivals Von Miller's agent at this point. <laughs> I think, I mean, Joe Flacco has come out publicly on at least two occasions. It might be three now to say that it's not his job to mentor the young guys. And True. if that's the case, why are they signing him? She said what it. What is your job? Yeah, what is your job? Because <laughs> yeah. it's not to be the starter. It's not to be the long-term answer. He said that about Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Yes. He said that about uh, Drew Locke in Denver. And I'm pretty sure he said the same thing about Zach Wilson in New York. So what's he doing there? Why would you have Joe Flacco on your team? I, I understand bringing in a veteran. I get it. And Joe Flacco's won a Super Bowl. I understand that. You think that would be really good for a young quarterback. But when he has publicly stated that his job is not to mentor the young quarterback, what good is he to the team? Because if Zach Wilson goes down, like he did last year, is Joe Flacco going to come in and win you the game? 
I, I could answer that. No, he is not. I don't think so. Sometimes you do well, need that. Are you playing the Jags? Cool. You might. Well, are you playing the Jags or are you paying the Jags? Because I think <laughs> at this point, I, I'd, be paying, I'd be paying the Jags. <laughs> like that's, that's what the Jets should do with any cap space left. They should pay the Jags and hope the Jags sort of just, yeah, we'll just lie down for the, for this one game kind of thing. No. But I, 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 th- I don't think Flacco is... Um, He's, he's he's his time has been and gone. I, I think the Jets took a backward step there. What should they do? Would you would you take in someone who's going to challenge Zach uh, Zach Wilson for QB one spot, or if, would uh, you? Yes, I believe if you're going to take on any quarterback, you, you take on a quarterback for one or two reasons: to either be the starter or to mentor the young guy. That's why you sign veterans. There's, there's no other reason for it. You're there to win games, you know? Mm-hmm. You play to win the game. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. And so I I understand if, for example, if the Jets signed Baker Mayfield, I would completely understand that. Now, I'm not a fan of Baker Mayfield. Personally, I think he's slightly overrated. Um, but there's no denying he made the Browns so much better. So if you take someone like that in to the Jets, he would be fighting for the starting position. Now, if he wins it on merit, that's great. If Zach Wilson wins the starting job, then you would hope the guy who's been in the league for a couple of years would just help him prepare for games. It's the reason we spoke about this before uh, last week when we were talking about Tyra Taylor. And Tyra Taylor, people always say he's one of the best teammates because he's been around the league. He's had so much hard luck, but he's good with the young guys. Yes, he keeps getting replaced by them. So you might maybe think too good. <laughs> maybe he's too good with the young guys. He prepares them just so well that when they have to come in, when he gets injured, they just light it up. That's the kind of player you want. When the Broncos signed Teddy Bridgewater, it was the same thing. He's going to vie to be the starter, but if he loses the starting job, he's going to support the guy behind him. Joe Flacco won't do that for you. If 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 he, I don't think he will start. I think Zach Wilson is going to be the starter, and Joe mm-hmm. Flacco is going to sit there with a face like thunder. And then when he's called in, he's going to do nothing. That that's but that's just my two cents worth on that one. Uh, we can't talk about the Jets for the entire program because people would just you know. That'll be a sad program. That'll be a very sad program. <laughs> um, we'll we'll go through the divisions uh, later on after the draft. We'll go through division by division, dedicating entire episodes to divisions. We can talk about the Jets. Then we need to move on. AFC North, Baltimore Ravens. Fullback Patrick Ricard agreed to a three-year deal. Offensive tackle Morgan Moses, three years. Defensive tackle Michael Pierce, three years. And safety Marcus Williams signed a five-year, $70 million contract that includes $37 million guaranteed uh, from Ian Rappaport there. But uh, Jake, tell me, what do, you think of the, what do you think of the Ravens? Obviously, they made the big splash with um, the safety from the Saints. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's a very Ravens move. Um, they tried to make another splash with Zadarius Smith. Had them all but signed. Obviously, that fell apart, and he's just signed with the Vikings. Um, so that would have obviously been a big win for them if they had have uh, got that. I'm not sure why that fell apart. Seemingly, all but signed. But other than that, like you say, it's been mostly quiet. I think the biggest takeaway I can take from the Ravens is the fact that whilst they've made some good moves there, getting shot in the foot a little bit in terms of 
more and more quarterbacks continue to be paid, and it all works in favour of Lamar Jackson, who's just turned, what, 25? He's on the fifth-year option this year. From the sounds of it, not getting any closer between the two in terms of uh, a long-term contract. So I would not be surprised if he's on the franchise tag for the next year, maybe the next two years. Yeah, um, that, that would be my biggest worry for the Ravens is they've got a good core. Uh, they're making some good signings. They've, you know, their front office is very solid. Um, but as we were just talking about the Jets with the quarterback, if the Ravens don't lock up their quarterback soon, it's either going to keep costing them more or they're going to be back to square one in terms of looking for a quarterback. If Lamar Jackson became a free agent, he'd be snapped up. Now, the Ravens know this. They, they want to stop that from happening. They need to sign him up to a contract. But there's no way Lamar's going to take a small contract. He's, it's going to have to be fairly huge. And I think, I think you've got a point. He will probably be franchise tagged next year, if not the next two years. And there'll be yeah. guaranteed money in there for him. The Ravens have a fairly stable organisation, which is sort of reflected in the fact that they've not made many moves, you know, signed a good player, maybe lost one player, but they need to sort out Lamar's contract, um, definitely. Dave, what do you think of that? Well, of, of the actions they have done so far, I think Michael Pierce is a fantastic signing. You can almost call him a re-signing. He, he was originally there before, if I remember rightly, and he left the Vikings, I think it was, and now he's come back on a three-year deal. Uh, I think that's a pretty good, solid signing for them. But like you said, they haven't done that much. Um, maybe, you know, maybe they are happy with what they've got, but I think financially they need to get Lamar signed up for the long term. They, you, the, the players that came out around him, for example, Patrick Mahomes, he's signed up for the rest of his life, basically, at this point, rivaling Von Miller for length of contract. Um, I think the Ravens will probably dip into the the drafts as well for their depth for the for next year. But apart from that, there's not a lot to say about them. I think they're they, you're right when you say they're generally happy with what they've got, but I think they do need to maybe flash the cash with some of their star players a bit more. They might be looking at, well, you know what, we can franchise Lamar, but the year after that, we're going to need to pay him. So let's free up some cap space now so that we can get that done. And that might be the reason that you look at all the other teams are signing one-year contracts and two-year contracts. The Ravens aren't doing this. Three, three, and five. Uh, sorry, three, 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 and five. So they've got quite a lot of good things going on stability-wise, but yeah, they need to. They need to tie up Lamar. And they should get it done. They should do it now before... Someone else, another quarterback, signs a massive contract. Um, on the flip side of that, moving on, the Cincinnati Bengals, they've signed tight end Hayden Hurst. Uh, they signed uh, offensive lineman Lyle Collins. Big one there, three-year deal. Guard Alex Kappa, four years, $35 million in that one. They also signed Ted Karras. So they've really been bumping up the offensive line, the Bengals. Um, they've, I've made a few... Moves on the defensive side as well, cornerback Eli Apple, and of course uh, Michael Thomas, the uh, re-signed uh, defensive back Michael Thomas, and safety Jesse Bates got the franchise tag. Uh, obviously, of course, they also re-signed quarterback Brandon Allen on a one-year deal, so they're quite happy to have him as a backup. But what do you think of the Bengals, Steve? What do you think? I think looking at what they've done, they're looking at the long-term protection of one Joe Burrows, and mm -hmm. they are really solidifying their position in... Uh, protecting their quarterback because I think they really suffered in his first year 
uh, after he got that bad injury. Um, so what they've done really, you know, Lyle Collins, Alex Kappa, Ted Karras, they're putting their money into that uh, offensive front line. And I think they are the next couple of years, you're going to see them reap some rewards from it. I, w- I wouldn't be overly surprised to see them make a deep run again this year. Jesse Bates obviously received the franchise tag. He's our class safety. Eli Apples re-signed on a one-year deal as well. BJ Hill at defensive tackles re-signed on a three-year $30 million deal. That includes $15 million in year one. So I think... I wouldn't expect to see any any more massive free agency signings from the Bengals, but I think they've really solidified what they already had. I think Hayden Hurst has gone under the radar a little bit at just how important that he could be for Joe Burrows. I think Hayden Hurst is one of the most underrated tight ends in the league. I think um, when, I, when I've seen him play, I've seen him make some fantastic plays, and I'm surprised that he was... Uh, he was available just to be to sign a one-year deal, and the Bengals have really snapped him up. So, very shrewd bit of business from the Cincinnati Bengals this year. I just I've got to echo what Dave said there in terms of you know they lost CJ Uzama, but replacing with Hurst is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, again, with what you're saying about the the offensive linemen, they've basically brought in three side you know three starters. I think that is music to uh, Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon's ears. Mm-hmm. And the only other thing I could really point out was they've released Trey Wayne's after his monster uh, and disappointing contract, which was uh, $42 million for three years, I think. This was his last year. He missed all of 2020 with an injury, missed most of 2021 on injured reserve, and then even when he came back, he wasn't starting. So um, that was a big swing and a miss, but they seem to have learned and they seem to be onto bigger and better things. We need to move on to the next team, um, which is the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> now, talking about bigger and better things the Cleveland Browns last week we spoke about um, what a fantastic deal they made in the trade for Amari Cooper they basically swapped sixth rounders and they got a fifth round pick gave up a fifth round pick I'm sorry for Amari Cooper the trade of the Dallas Cowboys they got Chase Winovich as we already mentioned the trade of the New England Patriots in exchange for linebacker Mark Wilson but we have to talk about Sean Watson it's the first time we've spoken about him properly on this show. Acquired in a trade with the Texans. So it was a 2024 six-round pick um, in exchange for three first-round picks, which is 2022, 2023, and 2024. A third round in 2023, two fourth-rounders in 22 and 24. And Watson will receive a five-year, $230 million contract fully guaranteed oh dear i mean it's one of one of the most interesting things about this deal was the contract for me now year one deshaun watson's contract is one million dollars guaranteed now i can see why the browns have done it from a moral point of view i think it's disgusting and dirty Uh, i mean he's got what is it 22 civil lawsuits against him uh, yes, and so, he, could, he, he could also be he could also be suspended for the whole of 2022. Um, Deshaun Watson has 22 civil lawsuits uh, against him for accusations of um, sexual harassment. We're not going to speculate on guilt or innocence. It's certainly not up to us to do that. But as you said, Dave, from a moral standpoint, the fact is these cases are still there. These lawsuits are still there. Nothing has been settled. And the fact that the Browns gave him a base salary of $1 million for his first season 
in case he gets suspended. To me, that's disgusting. Whether or not Deshaun Watson is completely innocent, the fact that the Browns gave him a five-year, $230 million, fully guaranteed, and then put in the caveat of that his first year is going to be $1 million, just in case, kind of leads me to believe that they didn't do as much homework as they said they've done, and they don't believe him as much as they say they do. Yeah, I think anyone that knows me is kind of, when I was asked about it with the Saints, I always was very much with the, I want to get Jameis in. Obviously, no Saint in his own right, uh, no pun intended. But the, the Deshaun Watson thing doesn't sit right with many of us. I think it doesn't sit right with a lot of the Browns fandom as well. I've seen a lot of fans not happy with it. And like you said, I completely echo the sentiments of you, you and Dave in terms of that first year contract. It's just despicable. Like you say, whether he's innocent or not, the fact that the Browns are willing to kind of manipulate it that way is says a lot about the organization, especially when a couple of weeks ago they came out saying they want an adult at the quarterback after, uh, obviously, everyone kind of knows kind of spat that happened with Baker Mayfield. And if that's the kind of adult they're after, it's, uh, it's interesting. I mean, last week we spoke with the Seattle Seahawks and how their organization doesn't have any class. But this last week, I think the Cleveland Browns have seriously taken that mantle as the the most classless organization in the National Football League, if not in, in all sports. It's, it's just, I can't stress this enough, none of us, neither myself, Jake nor Dave, are judging Deshaun Watson. It's not about that. This is all about what the Cleveland Browns have done. Because I said myself, if these, if these civil lawsuits went away, I would have Deshaun Watson as my number one free agent. I firmly believe he could be a top five quarterback. And I, I don't think many people would argue with that. Maybe not top five, but top six or seven. He's worth, and I have no issues with him getting $230 million. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't sit right. It yeah, doesn't there's sit a right. Lot, there's a lot that doesn't sit right. But I think at, at the moment, until these things are cleared up, I think the Browns have shot themselves just, just not even a little bit. They've majorly shot themselves with the contracts uh, in particular. They've also, I, I mean, the disrespect to Baker. Baker has uh, improved the Browns. So, since Baker was picked number one overall in the draft, I think the Browns have really come, come on and they've come on under Baker Mayfield. He's not one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But at the same time, he has improved that franchise. I, you, that, I don't think that's really a the, debatable point. The Browns were a laughing stock. Yes, An and absolute... now they're a different kind now. They are a different kind of laughing stock now. But what they've done with uh, they've got Baker ready to go now. They, he's he's halfway out the door. He's just packing up his stuff basically. And then they've also signed Jacoby Brissett to a one year deal with four point five million guaranteed. So they are really they not only have they basically doubled down uh, on the fact that they think there's a very good chance Deshaun Watson will not see the 2022 season. They've then brought in Jacoby Brissett, um, but they've signed him to a $4.65 million contract, $4.5 million guaranteed, and they're, they're basically saying that we're not scared if Deshaun Watson doesn't play next year. If Deshaun Watson is banned by the league for one year, we are not scared. We are prepared for that. And we are still going to go on in the future with Deshaun Watson as a QB1. I, I think it's morally wrong. It, it is. And it's not even that they're saying they're not scared. They're saying they don't care. Yeah. So they're really saying if he's, you know, if he's found guilty of sexual 
harassment or sexual Mis- assault, yeah, misconduct, 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 sexual misconduct, then we don't care because we're going to have him for, okay, he'll miss a year. We'll have him for four. And you think, <laughs> the mindset behind that is, it's incredible. And with your point to Baker Mayfield, let's not forget that in his first season, they went seven and nine, seven and eight and one. I'm just checking it out. Seven, eight and one. The previous two years, they went one and 31. Shout out Hugh Jackson. <laughs> Shout out Hugh Jackson, indeed. <laughs> but, you know, in comes Baker Mayfield and all of a sudden they can score points. And not only that, what what was it, la- uh, last couple of years? Made playoff runs as well? Uh, d- playoffs? And now they've literally just thought, oh, Deshaun Watson is available. Off you go, Baker. Doesn't matter what you've done. There's no respect whatsoever. No, Browns and no, Seahawks no. really disrespecting their their sort of... I'd say the players that have really turned up for them in the last five, six years. Uh, I don't want... Uh, you know what? We <laughs> we can... I think we'll have to come back to the, the FC North at some point because there's just too much to talk about with the Browns and... Um, well, they've released a couple of players as well. They released Jarvis Landry, see who was their wide receiver one. They released their starting centre, JC Tretter, and they released their tight end, Austin Hooper, as well. Now, there is interest in bringing Landry back, and I'm sure he's a lot more interested now uh, as well from his, but they've uh, made some interesting moves. And like I say, I'd be surprised if Tretter doesn't find himself on a, another team very soon. The thing is, if if Watson gets suspended... The Browns are going to roll with Jacoby Brissett. Yes, they they, yeah, they, they had to they had to alienate their essentially their franchise quarterback in Baker Mayfield, the man who turned that team around. They've alienated him to the point where he was like, "I don't if whether or not you get shown what I'm out, I'm gone." Just pathetic. It's pathetic. So we're going to move on uh, to. One of the more um, stable franchises in NFL history, <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, good um, Now, they also signed two quarterbacks. They did. They signed quarterback Dwayne Haskins with original round restricted free agent tender, $2.54 million. And they signed the MVP. 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 Mitchell Trubisky, two years, $14.25 million deal, worth up to $27 million with incentives. I don't care about any of the other signings that they've made. Mitch Trubisky is a very happy man. He got his money. In my opinion, he absolutely deserves every single penny of it. And I think a lot of people are going to be proved very, very wrong about Mitch Trubisky in 2022. Well, this podcast is 66% Mitch fan club. Uh, I, like I say, I, I really look forward. I hope he does um, get a crack at the starting job. I think, I, you know, I'd be very surprised if the Steelers don't draft a quarterback. It seems they're definitely eyeing up Malik Willis. I think they sent pretty much everyone from the Steelers organization to his pro day, including Tomlin. Um, so I would not be surprised if he goes there. Um, but I'm sure Mitch would give him a good battle in, in training camp as well. So, I really hope to see him kind of get a shot again, kind of prove people wrong, like you say. I think the situation in Chicago kind of got landed on him when clearly, as we can see now in the aftermath, it was not his fault. He beefed up the offensive lineman as well. 
brought in lots of players on defense. They've brought in Brian Flores on the defense. I, I love the signing of Miles Jack from the Jaguars. I think that's a great sign. I think they've had a, a sneaky good offseason, the, the Steelers. They signed Gunnar Olszewski. Yep. <laughs> Olszewski. I think that's how you pronounce that. Um, a, a player I have a lot of time for. Two years, 4.2 million for him. Um, I just so looking forward to seeing the Steelers play this year and I never thought I would say that. Yeah, it's, it's a nice to talk about a, a, an organisation as consistent and as classy as the Steelers after, after the Browns cleanse my palate. But no, especially because I'm an NFC guy. Um, I, I look forward to watching the Steelers this year. I think they'll, they'll uh, have a good resurgence. Uh, well, I'm really looking forward to uh, Dwayne Haskins starting for next year. Uh, I, I, I think um, I, I think what they've really done, though, uh, what what has really impressed me is the offensive line uh, signings that they made. They were re- re-signing. Uh, is it what Okorafor? They re-signed on a three-year they did, deal. Uh, th- um, yeah, thirty million, I think it was. And James Daniels, they've signed on a three-year deal as well. Guard and Mason Cole, the offensive tackle, signed on a three-year deal. Now, those are all three-year deals. Um, and I think they're putting putting in place building blocks for the future, which do, it, it does kind of indicate to me that they could be going for a, a young QB in the draft. I, I, I don't... I don't think it would be the best thing if uh, with Haskins and Trubisky if they did draft one this year. I, I think it's very, very possible. I think myself and Jake were talking about it off-air. I think it's very possible. Um, but I think if you really want to show faith in your Haskins and other associated quarterbacks, people in that position, <laughs> uh, I don't think you draft a quarterback this year. I, I think... Um, you could be looking at kind of um, the Saints potentially drafting a quarterback. Um, but there are still just a few other quarterbacks that haven't found a home yet. We've just finished talk- I was talking about Baker Mayfield. But um, don't forget, we've got Jimmy G from the 49ers as well, who's kind of looking for a new home with Trey Lance expected to be QB1 this year. So um, we'll move on to the AFC South. Uh, the Houston Texans made so many moves that I can't even keep up with them. I'm trying to think of the, the biggest ones that they made. They, I mean, they re-signed Jeff Driscoll. They re-signed Royce Freeman. They agreed a one-year contract with tight end Pharaoh Brown um, for $4 million. They re-signed a Malia Collins, the defensive tackle, for a two-year $17 million contract. But they've made so many changes. It's almost like they're just clearing out but not really improving. Jake, what are your thoughts on that, the Texans? Yeah, I think I saw, I saw as of yesterday, they're top of the AFC in terms of cap space, uh, but good luck trying to get free agents down to Houston. Um, they are second in dead money. Uh, they've got $51.7 million in dead money uh, this year, second only to Atlanta. Oof. And then they've got 30 picks over the next three years. And of those 30, 14 of them are inside the first three rounds. And then not even then, like this year, they've got the fourth round, 107 and 108. So they've got plenty of kind of, you know, they've got cap space. They've got picks. It's just kind of, it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of years what happens with the Texans. Because the last few years, they've kind of been a dumpster fire. So they're definitely in rebuild. They're saying they wanting to uh, build around the, the quarterback they've got at the moment. Yeah. But with all these picks and all this cap space, I think it'll be an interesting watch, the Texans, over the next couple of years. Yes, the amount of picks that they're amassing is bordering on ridiculous how many draft picks they're actually getting. I'm starting to wonder if maybe they're just 
um, getting all of these picks together and they're going to treat them all in one go in about five years' time for Arch Manning when he finally comes out of college. Um, because the, the amount they've got, they could feel two teams. It's ridiculous. But I think they might be waiting for maybe next year's draft because we've already alluded to it. There's, this year's draft doesn't have that, you know, one absolutely outstanding, this is the number one overall player set in stone months before the draft. They might be waiting to see what happens next year. And because they'll have two number ones and two number twos that they can trade any way they want. And who who's not going to take that? Let's be honest here. No offense to Texans fans. If the Texans are offering you a first round pick, you take it. Because the, it's not like the Texans are winning the Super Bowl anytime in the next two years. I, I'm, I'm struggling to see any kind of game changers within the Tex, Texans roster this year. They've got a lot of players who are, they, they would add some depth to the majority of teams. A lot that I would kind of just almost automatically put on practice squads. I, I don't I, I don't mean to be very disrespectful to them, but they haven't made any blockbuster signings that would really improve their team or that makes you think, yes, that, that is a massive improvement. Blake Cashman, maybe uh, uh, the trade from the Jets. Um, I, I, I think it was a late round 2023 draft pick. Uh, sixth rounder. Yeah, sixth rounder, yeah. Desmond King... The defensive back, he's re-signed for on a two-year, uh, seven million dollar deal. But there's just, there's nothing that jumps out really. Yeah, so I think this a is going to be middle, a, yeah, a lot of middle I of think, the road. Yeah, Okoronko at linebacker. He he's he's a good player. Uh, I I do quite like him. But again, he's not a huge game changer. I, I, I don't know. I'm struggling to find any positives really to say about the Texans. Except yet yeah, there's there's full rebuild perhaps. But at the same time, I don't think they've been successful for this year anyway. I'm disappointed for the Texans. I, I think they're still smarting from the Bill O'Brien era. And they're, they're just saying, we're never doing that again. We will move on. We'll go to the Indianapolis Colts. Big trade for the Indianapolis Colts. Quarterback Matt Ryan acquired in a trade from the Atlanta Falcons in exchange for a third round pick. Which, in my opinion, is hideously underselling. Matt Ryan. Um, tight end Mo Ali Cox re-signed almost immediately on a three-year, $18 million contract. They tightened up the defensive line a bit. Uh, Yannick Ngokwe, a defensive end, got in a trade with the Las Vegas, uh, Las Vegas Raiders in exchange for the cornerback Rocky Asin. And um, linebacker Zaire Franklin re-signed. And uh, cornerback Brandon Fassian signed a one-year, $3.84 million deal. There are rumours abound, and I'm loving these rumours because I think it would be absolutely awesome, that the Colts might be in on Julio Jones, who is still a free agent. That would be impressive, reuniting him with Matt Ryan. Um, Dave, I'll start with you. Uh, Indianapolis Colts, what do you think of the Matt Ryan trade? What do you think of the Colts in general? I'm not the biggest Matt Ryan fan. I, I, th I think he, he can be a great quarterback, but he needs a lot of protection. I, th I think he's kind of Jared Goff-esque in the way that he's been paid a lot of money to sit in, sit in the pocket. Legs are just not there. Um, but I, I think the Colts need a franchise quarterback because they haven't had one since Peyton Manning, as far as I'm concerned. They they, they did have Andrew, Andrew Luck. Luck. But, well, well Andrew Luck, yes. <laughs> Andrew, uh, Andrew Luck, yes. But Andrew Luck was not the kind of long-term franchise quarterback that they really needed. Uh, Andrew Luck was fantastic. He was a brilliant quarterback. 
but he wasn't there for like the kind of decade, 10, 15 years that they really need, needed someone. For example, Packers have gone from Bert Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Oh, that's, um, no, no, I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm going to interrupt you there. Go on, <laughs> right, you cannot compare the compare. Packers quarterback yeah. situation to any other team. No other team has had a Hall of Fame quarterback for 30 straight years. It's, it's they had it. That's what I'm trying to say. The Colts had that with Peyton Manning. They, they did, then, and in, and with Andrew Luck. I mean, I, I yeah. firmly believe if Andrew Luck had played 15 years, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. I, I don't doubt yes, it for a second. I, I do as well, but they didn't get that. They, and they, they've struggled since then. They've had, is it six or seven straight years with the different starting quarterbacks? Random um, stats. Uh, yes, random stats. Oh, well, 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 there you go. <laughs> but uh, Matt Ryan, I, how, long do, how long do you think Matt Ryan has left in the league? A, a couple years at the top, maybe. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Five years, easy. I, as I, it stands, I get. I get where you're coming from, Dave. It looked like over the past couple of years, Matt Ryan's fallen off significantly, and I, I, yeah, I get that. But I think the biggest problem has been his offensive line. And you're right. He, you know, he's not the most mobile quarterback, but he's gone to the Colts. The Colts have a great offensive line. They do, and the Colts yeah. have uh, Jonathan Taylor. I think Matt Ryan, this might be the best position he's ever been in from a support point of view. Now, with regards to the receivers, they, they, they don't, the Colts do not have bad receivers. Wentz was ineffective with the Colts. But, yes. the, but the run game was so good, it made up for the deficiency. Personally, I think Matt Ryan is a huge upgrade over Carson Wentz. The fact that the Colts got him for a, in exchange for a third-round pick, it just blows my mind. Matt Ryan, and I know you don't like me saying this, Dave, because I've said this before and you hate it, I've always thought of Matt Ryan in along the same lines as Matt Stafford in that they've been in a bad position, with the caveat that Matt Ryan had Roddy White and Julio Jones for most of his career. But, you know, Matt Stafford had Megatron, so it evens itself out. Both of them in pretty bad positions, and the one time Matt Ryan did get anything out of his ground game, anything out of his defence, they went to the Super Bowl. And he won MVP. And he won league MVP. Matt, uh, Matt Stafford, I beg your pardon, was traded to the Rams last year, and what did what did the Rams give up for him? Can you... I, I don't uh, remember. Everything. Was, uh, it, was, I it, think two, was it two firsts, was it? I think it was two firsts, yeah. yeah. Two, two firsts first. and, well, and, and Jared two. Goff. Well, that was, you know, that made up for one of the firsts. It did, <laughs> but, did it. Okay. <laughs> I but, think well, one, one thing I would say about Matt Ryan. Okay, so do you think the Colts have done the deals that they needed to in order to turn around their division in their favor against the Titans? I because do. if you look I, at the division, I honestly the, ja believe the Jags it. and the Texans are non... I, I don't think they're there. Well, Texans definitely not. Jaguars, maybe in a year or two, I think they may they may kind of click a lot better. We'll come to the oh, Jaguars, obviously, very shortly. But I I think the Colts, they've maybe just slipped... They've not slipped up. They've, they've maybe just fallen short a little bit um, with the, Matt they, Ryan. They, they were short one game last year, and they had no quarterback play to speak of. I mean, none. It was, think, it was yeah. it was it was awful quarterback Carson Wentz, and I actually I don't know if you guys remember I think it was episode one when we did um, stupid early predictions which we haven't done since I was so convinced that the Colts were going to be so much better the offensive line is going to be better the run game is going to be better they might make a a trade for a receiver I was so convinced that I said Carson Wentz will win 
we'll, we'll make a Pro Bowl. I was so convinced. And then, of course, he's gone to the Washington Commander. So that's probably not going to happen now. <laughs> probably not. But I am, I am even more convinced now that Matt Ryan is a huge upgrade over Carson Wentz. And the fact that the Falcons couldn't even get a first-round pick, not even one, for Matt Ryan. I think it's all to do with the contracts for their... Uh, that that that's the sole reason that they only they they didn't get very much in terms of uh, draft equity for him. But it's going to be a really tight between the Colts and the Titans, with the Jaguars may, uh, probably improving this year. But I'm not going to hide it. I'm not Matt Ryan's biggest fan. I do think that he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's going to be. He's going to quite make the Colts what they want to be. And I'm here to strongly disagree. Because as a Saints fan who has seen Matt Ryan many times, I think this is a fantastic signing. It's nice to be able to say positive things about Matt Ryan. And I would love for Julio Jones to sign with the Colts because it would just make my Twitter timeline melt and it would be fantastic. I, would, I think that would be the best story of the offseason if Julio Jones and Matt Ryan reunited in Indianapolis. I think it would it would be wonderful. From NFC South to the AFC South, I Th- think playing Colts, in a dome. The, the Colts this week have gone from having no quarterback to having the best quarterback in their division, mm-hmm. and I think over the next coming days, they you know if they sign Julio Jones, there's strong interest in Tyron Matthew. I think the Colts are doing some good things. Now they have a bit of a bizarre approach to free agency uh, since they've had uh, Ballard as their GM. They seem to have a lot of cap space and be primed to be busy and then don't really sign anyone, which is absolutely polar opposite to the next team we're going to talk about. But I think the Colts have done great. And moving on to the next team, Jake, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Z Jones, three years, $24 million contract, and Christian Kirk, four years, $72 million contract, including $37 million fully guaranteed with a max value of $84 million. Did they overpay for Christian Kirk? Probably. Uh, I, uh, yeah, probably. But I, I think that Trevor Lawrence has some fantastic weapons this year. Um, don't forget, they've also signed Evan Ingram at tight end as well. And I think they've got, is it two new offensive linemen? Um, they, well, or, uh, sorry, one, one or two. Uh, they've got, they franchise tagged Cam Robinson. That's right. Um, but they, they, also they did sign Brandon Sheriff, yes. Brandon Sheriff, that's the one, yes. So he signed on, a, it was a three-year, $49.5 million deal. That's a heavy contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're putting a lot of faith into him. But they also, very sadly for me, signed Darius Williams at cornerback. He's... Uh, signed a three-year, $30 million deal with $18 million guaranteed. He was offered more money elsewhere, but I think he's a Jacksonville man or a Florida man, so he's gone back to Florida for that. But I think this could be a, a year that Trevor Lawrence might start to shine a little bit. I think the Jaguars have closed the gap on the Titans and the Colts, which is what obviously they needed to do. But I think these free agency signings have been really good for them. Uh, they, they also signed, is it Foy Olukum? Uh, it's a three-year, $45 million deal. Fully Fajkasi, it's a three-year, $30 million deal as well. These these yeah. numbers. Yeah, of the, these... that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, uh, they've invested heavy. Heavy on, and I, you know, I don't, want, I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't want to be, but yeah, mediocre. Christian Kirk, $72 million. Yeah, yeah, that that's... 
I mean, I'm, I'm looking 30, at 37 these... fully guaranteed is as uh, was quite heavy in it, in itself, but up to set, you know, it, it could. It, well, obviously, it's probably not going to, but 84 million dollars max value over four years. Yeah, even, even, Kirk. yeah even the guaranteed money, 30 million full, uh, fully guaranteed for Chef, who I think is a, a great player. You know, 20 million fully guaranteed for Fatikasi. 28 million fully guaranteed for the Lockon. Zay um, Jones, uh, Zay Jones as well. Three-year, twenty-four million dollar with a max yeah, value of thirty. It's these just... are massive contract. Do you, these guys, they're great as uh, to be part of your uh, your roster and your team, but uh, none of them are really kind of. You want to build a franchise around them? No, I th- and I think it's that's not kind of what we're getting at. Exactly, and and Christian Kirk. I don't think he's the type of. I, I'm not picking on Christian Kirk. It's just that contract is huge. I don't think he's the kind of player who scares anyone. I don't think he's the kind of player who's going to take you over into the next, uh, you know, the next level. It, it's not like when the Bills signed Stefan Diggs a couple of years ago. That was that was big because he's an impact player. Mm-hmm. You're a big impact player. And, you know, when DeAndre Hopkins went to the Cardinals, big impact player. He can change the game for you. I'm not getting that from Christian Kirk. And that's a huge contract. It's massive. I, I think they're overspending for just not much. I don't think they're going to get a return on it. And I don't think that they've really done Trevor Lawrence any favours. They re-signed Laquan Treadwell. And they've signed three offensive linemen and a tight end. And I think it's, I think it's an improvement but I think for the money they're spending, I don't think it's it's enough of a return. I think the good news, before I just absolutely talk bad about the Jaguars, the, the one positive I had is the, the Travis Etienne, their first round running back from last year, obviously missed all of the season. Mm. So they'll be getting him back. So, it, you know, the old cliche, you know, it's like getting a, another first round pick, you know. It will be great for them to to have him on the field. But I was looking at their like not only is their free agency for the last few years they've they've been throwing money about, but their draft since 2017 they've had one Pro Bowl, which was the the linebacker or end uh, Josh Allen, not the no. Josh Allen. No, not they've the had, Josh Allen. <laughs> they've had zero All Pros, and then even when they do draft well. Those players normally leave the likes of you know Ramsey and Garkway, Miles Jack. I think the Jaguars, there's just something wrong. And I mean, this year, you know, I think it was very easy where they got it wrong in terms of the head coach with Urban Meyer. And the favorite quote I found this week was him saying, Who's this Who's this 99 guy on the Rams? Yeah, who's that's this guy? Head coach. Yeah, that's who's your head this coach guy? not knowing who Aaron Donald is. And then so. I think he was told, oh. like, the college he came from was like, Oh, well, all right, then it can't be that good. Yeah, so <laughs> I think from top to bottom, yeah. that organization just continually seems to get it wrong. And their punishment is they keep getting sent over to Britain. I think, I hate to say that owners sometimes have too much control. Because let's face it, if you own the team, you want control of the team. Look look at Jerry Jones, of course. It's his team. Shad Khan, I believe it is, who owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm -hmm. I think maybe he just doesn't really know what he's doing. I I think that's a pretty fair assessment after all these years. Yeah, he just... just doesn't know what he's doing. 
Why didn't you just hire someone who knows what they're doing? I, I don't get yeah. it. It's They go through players. They go through coaches. Oh. At some point, he's got to look in the mirror and go, am I the problem? Am I the bad guy? You'd think so. But then, you know, he's worth billions. So what do we know? Yeah. Uh, so moving on. Um, the Tennessee Titans re-signed Dontel Hilliard. Uh, they acquired Robert Woods in a trade with the Rams. We're going to have to talk with them again, Dave. Sorry about that. For a 2023 sixth round pick that they got Robert Woods for. They signed Austin Hooper to a one-year $6 million deal. And a couple of extensions. Jeff Swain got a one-year extension. Cornerback Ben Jones re-signed a two-year deal. They agreed uh, a one-year extension with Morgan Cox. Buster Screen, 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 never sure how to pronounce that, re-signed with them as well. Um, but linebacker Harold Landry is the big money one. Uh, five-year, $87.5 million extension with $52.5 million guaranteed. Dave, hand it over to you. What do you make of that? Particularly that, that Robert Woods trade. What do you think of the Titans? Yeah, I, I, I think Harold Landry is a massive re-signing. I think that's a lot. It's great stability for them. Robert Woods, I've been very 50-50 about. He's coming off a complete ACL tear. Uh, and he did have, he, he was going to be quite a heavy uh, cap, I, I don't want to say cap burden, but when the Rams signed Alan Robinson, obviously, and they, they had, I think from from that moment, they planned to move on Robert Woods. I, I think for this year, he, he'll be looking to get paid from the Titans now, but I, I think for Woods, it's probably best to move on. I don't know if he'll be ready for training camp or not, which might affect the first couple games uh in his Titans career, with a, a lot of the re- a lot of re-signings of players, you know, you mentioned um, Ben Jones at center. He's re-signed on a two-year deal. I think they they're just wanting to go with more of the same, with maybe a little, little bit more depth from what I can see, which is fine. I I do expect one or two moves from them in the draft though as well, just to kind of beef up things. But yeah, pretty solid from the Titans. Whether it can hold off the Colts or not is kind of a wait and see. I think it, it kind of pretty much depends on the Colts at this point. I think the Titans are going to have a an identical season to what they did last year uh, in terms of a, a winning record, but maybe fall later on with it uh, in the in the off season or sorry in the post season. Again, like you said, no marquee signings. Just how Landry is the big money re-signing. Mm-hmm. Taking a swing on Robert Woods for a sixth is is pretty. You know, pretty good. I, th- I think low, about a six, low, low yeah, six-round pick. Yeah, yeah. low cost for with a high upside. I think that's good. I mean, we've already mentioned Julio Jones. I mean, they released him after one year where they gave up a second-round pick this year. So they've not even... That pick's not even been used yet. And then a fourth round in 23. So, that, I mean, they've, they've kind of been through this before in terms of picking up a wide receiver who's maybe a bit past it. It'll be interesting. Like I say, I think there's high upside with a sixth, but... You know, because they've given away a second, a fourth, and a sixth now for a, for a wide receiver. Uh, I think picking up Austin Hooper that could be very savvy. I think that's a good move. I, I'm kind of echo Dave's thoughts in terms of I think this division has kind of swung more towards the Colts, especially because of the Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. I think Matt Ryan is just better than Ryan Tannehill. There's no real question there. I mean, the good thing for the Titans is even when Derrick Henry went down, they didn't really lose a beat, which you would expect them to. So. I'm sure they'll be there and thereabouts, but I think this division is is the Colts to take. Come January, we'll we'll always, you know, hindsight's wonderful, and we'll know then exactly who was right and who was wrong. Um, but I think it has swung to the Colts. I'd even make the point that I think come October, 
we will know how that division is going to play out. I think if the Colts get off to a flying start, uh, you know, they're 4-0, four, 5-1 four kind of thing after the first five, six games, I, I think then we can say that the Colts have done fantastic business and they will go on and win the division. I, I, I think with the Titans, they're obviously... They they love their run game. They they love power. You know, run first always. Like you said, uh, with Derrick Henry going down last season, didn't really miss a beat. Uh, obviously, he's a big guy and he's a big big impact player. You can always count on him to make some form of impact. But um, the, the only other signings that they're going to make, if they do make any, are going to be people that are they're going to basically join. Uh, you know, sort of fit into their their own kind of run first system. And I think it's up to the Colts this year to really take at this stage. And I, I don't think the Jaguars have done quite enough. Okay, moving on. AFC West. We're going to start. Oh, this is the good one. We're going to start. Is the good one. Yes. Not much action. <clears throat> not not, not much. As... <laughs> we'll rattle through this. We'll be starting with the Denver Broncos. Um, now, I'm... You know me, I will I will talk about them for half an hour, so I'm not going to do that. We've already spoken about the huge pickup of Russell Wilson. Uh, just to uh, reiterate, they traded for Russell Wilson, acquired in a trade with the Seattle Seahawks, uh, and a fourth-round pick in exchange for two first-round picks, two second-rounders, a fifth-rounder, quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, defensive tackle Shelby Harris, Still a gut punch to me. Uh, that's from Tom Pancero and Ian Rappaport. I'm not over Shelby Harris, but if the Broncos start off 5-0 and and Russell Wilson's slinging bombs all over the place, I might forget about Shelby Harris. Do apologise, Shelby. Best hands in the league. They did make other signings. Uh, defensive end Randy Gregory from the Cowboys. Like that. Five-year, $70 million deal, including $28 million guaranteed. They also signed defensive tackle G, uh, DJ Jones to a three-year deal. They re-signed a couple of players to Sean Williams, Josie Jewell, uh, Malik Reed, and they signed linebacker Alex Singleton to a one-year, $1.1 million fully guaranteed contract. Now, there's other things that the Broncos have been doing, George Payton behind the scenes is really coming across as a very, very shrewd man, particularly fiscally. And when it comes to the money, just last year, the Broncos tied up Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. Somehow, George Payton managed to convince Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton to both restructure their contracts to give the Broncos more money in cap. Now, you would guess that there's no need for them to do that because they've already signed Russell Wilson and Randy Gregory. And you think, why do they need more cap room? I have the feeling that George Payton's not done yet in either in free agency or possibly, you know, trading for someone in the draft. I don't know what he's going to do. But um, yeah, if I carry on talking, we'll be here all night. I'll just hand it over to you guys. Denver Broncos, what do we think? I'll tell you what he should do, and I will be upset for you if he's not trying, is make a play for Bobby Wagner. You guys have a glaring hole and a glaring need at inside linebacker, and there's one of the best in the business kind of sat there. So if you're freed up some cap space, get on the phone to Bobby Wagner. I think that's, that would just really be the cherry on the cherry on the top for, for this kind of offseason. That's true. We did re-sign Josie Jewell, who I'm a big fan of, injured last year, and... Alexander Johnson, 
who I believe is a free agent. I don't know if we'll be signing him, so there is a definite hole at linebacker. And Bobby Wagner would, would fill that. And there's me talking again. I'm going to stop. Uh, Dave, on you go. Talk about the Denver Broncos. I think the, the only kind of, I, I would say, lack of action has been in the with the defensive backs at the Broncos. Um, you know, obviously, if they see one, maybe one kind of marquee signing to add to what I think, the Broncos already have a, a very good options at corner and safety but at the same time they they have made a lot of kind of depth moves i'd say um with uh you know alex singleton signed a one-year deal josie jules obviously signed two years uh, i think what they did with uh shelby harris what they've brought in dj jones to replace him but i, I don't think that's an upgrade by any stretch of the imagination mm, no um no, definitely i, I think Ra- randy gregory the thievery from the Cowboys, it's just funny now. <laughs> I think I'm I'm not Jerry Jones's biggest fan, but at the same time, I think that that's borderline amusing. I, I think you are right when you say that there's going to be one more, I don't know, you, I don't like the term marquee signing, but one more standout signing Yeah, going to happen with the Broncos. There's the thing some, is, something's I don't going know, on. I don't know where it's going to be. This is the thing, because he seems to be trying uh, restructuring contracts left, right, and center to free up cap space. They're already under the cap. So mm-hmm. it leads me to believe that there's something else to come. I just, I can't think what it is. You know, it's not going to be Johnny Hecker, unfortunately. So Bobby, yeah. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Maybe it is. Maybe it's going to be Bobby Wagner. Anyway, can't that's, talk that's about the Broncos. Uh, I can't talk about the Broncos all the time. We need to move on. Kansas City Chiefs. Who, you know, big quarterback news, of course, uh, re-signed Chad Henney to a one-year deal worth $2 million. They also managed to get uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, one-year deal, $10.75 million with incentives. They put the franchise tag on Orlando Brown and uh, re-signed, uh, sorry, they signed Frank Clark to a, a new two-year $29 million deal. And Justin Reed safety to three years, $31.5 million, including $20 million guaranteed. Tyron Matthew does appear to be out the door. Uh, what do we think of the Chiefs uh, with the moves? Do you think that they've improved at all? I do. I think with um, Justin Reed signing at safety. I thought, uh, I thought you were going to say move. Chad Henney at quarterback. I was like, yeah. I think we can all safely say that Chad Henney is probably not going to be the main focus of the Chiefs at quarterback. I think Juju Smith Schuster, there was. Something on the Twitter field that I saw, I think it was a tweet from Richard Sherman, who laughed or put laughing emojis when he heard that Juju Smith-Schuster's one-year contract was only about three million guaranteed out of the ten point seven five million, and he laughed about uh, who his agents could possibly be. But yeah, that's it, it's it's a weapon that the Chiefs will quite happily take. Um, They've also got um, Orlando Brown as franchise tag. They, they traded quite a chunk for him, if I remember rightly. So he was never going to be not franchise tagged. Frank Clark obviously coming in as well. He's got a new two-year, $29 million deal. They, they've been pretty quiet, the Chiefs, but I think they probably needed that after the huge contract for, uh, for uh, one Patrick Mahomes. But at the same time, I think they're going to get their... Yeah, I, I, I don't know where that came from, but um, I, I think they'll probably make a couple of moves in the draft as well, um, just to kind of shore up some positions. I think Chiefs are going to make another big run. I, I can't see them not, especially with uh, Tariq Hill, uh, you know, being fully, if he can stay fully fit for the whole year, 
I, I can see them f- probably finally getting to the, back to the Super Bowl. Well, you mentioned it, finally getting back to Super Bowl, but this was going to be my random stat, but then I found a better one. <laughs> but consecutive seasons with playoff trips, the Chiefs have seven, and the next best is three, which is the Bills, Packers, and Titans. But that means that the Chiefs have gone to more AFC championships consecutively than any other team has even made it to the playoffs because they've gone to the championship four years in a row. Mm-hmm. So they're just always there and thereabouts. <laughs> I think the uh, Juju Smith deal is absolutely like fantastic value. I think they've done good business, like you say, with the, the safety as well. I think they've just kind of ticked along nicely here, the, the Chiefs and... Uh, like you say, they'll be there again, and I'm sure they'll make it eight years in a row in the playoffs. Oh, they will. That, I, I, I don't even think we could joke to say that they wouldn't make the playoffs. The Kansas City Chiefs are always going to be in, in and about the mix as long as, say, they've got number 15 there. Now, the Chiefs have been arguably the quietest of all the teams in the AFC West. Uh, moving on to the Las Vegas Raiders, they've signed everyone. It's a ridiculous amount of players that they've signed or re-signed. Uh, but of course, we'll talk about the big one. Devontae Adams, a trade with the Green Bay Packers in exchange for a 2022 first round pick and a 2022 second round pick. The new contract is expected to be worth $141.25 million over five years. And of course, they also signed the other big signing that they made, defensive end Chandler Jones, uh, he'll get approximately $52.5 million over three years, including $34 million guaranteed. And they tied up Max Crosby, four years, nearly $100 million there. They've made a lot of moves, the Raiders, and I think it's really made them a very, very dangerous team. Uh, what do you think of the Las Vegas Raiders? I think on the back of us saying, oh, you know, the Chiefs definitely make the playoffs, I think their life is getting harder and harder because this division is just stacked. I mean, like you say, Adams, Crosby, Jones, these are some serious stars, but the Raiders also brought in some nice depth. Derek Carr is completely slept on. I think the Raiders are, you know, if they were in any other division, we'd be saying, oh, these, you know, could be winning the division, and yet people will still have them for coming forth in this division. So it's. Absolutely. If you stuck, if you picked the last Vegas Raiders and you popped them in the EFC South, you'd be seeing they're winning that division. If you put them in the NFC East, you probably argue they'd win that division over the over the Cowboys. If you put them in the the NFC South, obviously because Tom Brady's there, people are going to see that. But you could say they're, they're probably going to win that division. But because they're in the West, but we're going ah, they finished fourth, third or fourth, third at best. Despite interesting with Josh McDaniels, seeing him get another head coaching gig, that that could be kind of the make and break because. I mean, I actually forgot about Josh McDaniels. Yeah, so arguably the arguably the biggest uh, biggest change that they made, Josh McDaniels. There. Moving on to our final team, the Los Angeles Chargers. It's not like they've been quiet. The Los Angeles Chargers acquired linebacker Khalil Mack in a trade with the LA Chicago Bears. I beg your pardon. In exchange for a 2022 second round draft pick and a 2023 sixth rounder. They also signed uh, cornerback J.C. Jackson to a five-year, $82.5 million deal with $40 million guaranteed. They re-signed Dustin Hopkins. They signed tight end Gerald Everett, two years, $12 million. Uh, they re-signed Mike Williams. Everything that I've seen that's come from the Chargers has made them a better team. That pass-rushing combo of Bosa and Khalil Mack is terrifying. I mean, we, we spoke about Crosby and Jones. That's also terrifying. And with the Broncos and a 
Randy Gregory. It does seem that what was an arms race with regards to, you know, quarterbacks and wide receivers and just everyone building up in that, the team's gone, right, we now need to stop all these offenses in this division. So they're loading up in defensive stars. The Chargers may have paid the least to get the best in the entire NFL. What do we think of this? Dave, I'll hand over to you first. What do you reckon of the Chargers? I think between the Chargers and the Raiders, I think they've been forced into these, into really buffering up their teams. Um, obviously, with the Chiefs have been running away with, well, maybe not necessarily running away with the league, uh, with the division for the last couple of years, but they've been topping the division for the last few years. The Broncos pulling out, pulling out Russell Wilson. You know, the Raiders have now signed Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones, Max Crosby, I think went under the radar a little bit. And I think that's a fantastic sign. Chargers, they've got basically a whole new defensive front line. Um, well, aside from Bosa, but Khalil Mack, he, he, that's a fantastic, that's fantastic value for Bonnie. I, I had back up there, you know, with the likes of Von Miller, maybe not quite Aaron Donald, but Von Miller for sure. Um, they've also signed Sebastian Joseph Day from the Rams, uh, three-year, twenty-four million dollar deal. So he really came on last year, which is why he's getting a, a decent contract. Uh, this year I think he did fantastic alongside Aaron Donald don't forget you've also got Mike Williams at at wide receiver who signed a three year 60 million dollar deal 40 million fully guaranteed over the first two years that's a quite heavy wide receiver uh, contract for them JC Jackson obviously a fantastic cornerback one of the best in the league you're kind of flipping a coin every single divisional game in there who's going to come out on top it's it's exciting but from an outside perspective I think I'm quite jealous that's you know these some of these moves being made. Gerald Everett, former Rams tight end, I he was one of the most underrated players in our in our team when he was with us. Um, he signed a two year, twelve million dollar deal. You know, I think I think the Chargers, even though with these big signings, I think if you look at the Raiders, if you look at the Broncos, the Chiefs support that the Chiefs already had. I think it's going to be the Chargers who are going to finish fourth. I still, I think they're going to have a winning record, <laughs> but I think they're, I, I think they're going to the, finish fourth. The, the problem is. It doesn't matter which team you pick to pick fourth. They're an awesome team. Yes, it's, absolutely. It's just, the, the entire AFC is ridiculous now. It's it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. When you look at all the players who moved from NFC teams to AFC teams, the star power is just, the mind boggles. It really does. And you look at even just like the, the young quarterbacks, you know, you've got Josh Allen and you've got Lamar Jackson and you've got Joe Burrow. And we don't know. Trevor Lawrence might be what everyone thought he was going to be. And you've got Justin Herbert and you've got Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, if Deshaun Watson plays, Deshaun Watson's there. And you're just thinking, what is going on in this conference? AFC is is going ballistic. And the AFC West is almost a microcosm of that. Everyone's trying to outdo everyone else. And it all started with the Chiefs. Because Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. was such a game-changing player, a league-changing player, that the other team's like, well, we need to do something. Now, Derek Carr has been a solid a, a, a solid top 10, top 12 quarterback for years for, for the Raiders. He's been an absolutely solid quarterback. But when you're going up against Patrick Mahomes, and even you know, the last couple of years, Justin Herbert's been sensational. You think, well, we need to do something. 
So the, the signings the Raiders made have seriously improved them. The signings the Broncos made have seriously improved them. And the signings the Chargers made have seriously improved them. It's getting to the point where can you can, can you get any better? One of these teams, if maybe the Chiefs, it's unlikely, one of these teams will finish last in this division. But it is an inherent possibility. And if you think I'm overreacting, that's fine. In my opinion, an inherent possibility that all four teams from the AFC West make the playoffs in 2022. They all could in terms of their, their rosters, that's for sure. Again, not a random stat, but a stat when you're talking about the AFC and the kind of dominance. I found a thing uh, yesterday that with most wins in the NFL since 2000 and four of the top five teams are AFC. Packers are the only ones kind of splitting it. They're third. I mean, Saints are sixth. But yeah, four of the top five teams with the most wins since 2000, all AFC. So. To, to be fair, most of that was Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. <laughs> but well, the yeah, Steelers, the, Steelers are second. The, 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 the dominance, the dominance um, of AFC quarterbacks through the past 20 years was incredible. It, it was actually going to be one of my random stats, but I can't remember the numbers offhand, so I'm not going to use it. Um, and that is a lovely segue, Jake. Yeah. Random stats. Random stats. Um, I think I'll start us off this week for the random stat before we finish off the show. Go for it. And I want to talk about... I was going to talk about Warren Moon because I, I love Warren Moon and um, his football life story, if you've never seen it, is absolutely incredible. Go and check it out. But I came across a stat today which I actually couldn't believe. And it's not often when you see something that just does not make any sense to you whatsoever. But this is, I love this stat. For those of you who don't remember Trent Richardson, Trent Richardson was a first-round draft pick by the Cleveland Browns. He was third overall. Now, we were talking about the Browns previously. They traded picks of the Minnesota Vikings so that they could jump up to get uh, Trent Richardson. And he was the highest selected running back since Reggie Bush uh, in, in 2006. So the Cleveland Browns traded up to get Trent Richardson. And um, he was there in, in, drafted in 2012. Huge player, big hype, coming out of Alabama. He looked fantastic. Everyone thought Trent Richardson's going to be great. He wasn't great. That's putting it mildly. Trent Richardson, in his entire career... Played in 46 games. He had 614 carries, 2,032 yards for a 3.3 yard average and 17 touchdowns. But the best stat of someone who was drafted third overall as a running back in 2012, the longest run of Trent Richardson's career was 32 yards. Now, you don't need to rush for 50, 60, 70 yards a go. But a player who had a longer run than him in his career of 33 yards was Peyton Manning. <laughs> Peyton's got wheels. Peyton, has got wheels. His, the longest run of his career is 33 yards. The longest of Trent Richardson's is 32 yards. And he was a third overall pick in 2012. Got traded for a few more firsts as well, didn't he? To the, well, to the Colts, wasn't it? He went to the Colts in 2013. I think it was a couple of years. Yeah, it could be years later, but I think that was for a first. I'm pretty sure, anyway. It was a decent capital, anyway. And uh, he he never cracked 
that uh, Never 32 that 32 yard run was in his uh, rookie season 2012 so that is my random stat um dave do you have a random stat for us a random stat but uh we're going to go back to the year 2000 to turn a millennium but also showing up were the baltimore ravens now i want to talk about the baltimore ravens because the stat that i want to give you today is that in the in the 2000 season they only gave up 165 points over the 16-game season. Now, if you look at their defense, Ray Lewis at linebacker, Rod Woodson at safety, Chris McAllister at cornerback, just to name a few. But it's the details behind the, so, uh, conceding so many, so few points that season that I really want to point out. They had four shutouts in the regular season. And obviously back then, it was the AFC Central they were part of. So it was West Central and East. They... Shut out the Steelers, who went nine and seven that year. The Browns, Bengals, and the Cowboys as well, who had losing seasons. But eleven of their sixteen games, they conceded ten points or less. Now, in the in the NFL right now, you're just not going to see that. A lot of high scoring games. The defensive masterclass from those guys was just amazing. But what I do want to say as well is that they did. Not only get to the Super Bowl, but then they thrashed the Giants in Super Bowl 35 by 34 points to 7. In the postseason, they, sorry to bring this up, Neosa, but they uh, defeated the Broncos in the wildcard game by 21 points to 3. Yes. They then beat the Titans by 24 points to 10 in the divisional game. In the AFC Championship game, they beat the Raiders by 16 points to 3, and they trounced the Giants by 34 points to 7. Now, they didn't have the, a great offense, but the, it, it just goes to show defense wins Super Bowls. Defense wins championship. The, the fantastic season that they had, that a quarter of their regular season games were shutouts and 11 of 16 for 10 points or less. You're just not going to see that again. And that is my random stat. Yeah. I need to put some respect on Trent Delphi's name. But how, how many points was it all season? 165 in the regular season. Or as the Jets call it, a good month. I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I, I'd like to actually, just before before you give us your random stat, Jake, um, I'm going to add something onto that one, Dave. Now, I, I'm not 100% sure of the figures here. Somebody will need to fact check these. I seem to remember in, in the, the, the 2000 season, the, the Ravens, did they go? I think they went four games where the four games consecutively where the offense didn't score a touchdown, and they yes. won either yes. two or three of those games. Mm-hmm. I remember this because yep. again, they've, they've, this is either it's not a football life, but there's a do, like a documentary on this. It, it might yeah. be it might be the the America's game, the yes, Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah, and I th- I think it's either four or five games where they like in a row where the offense didn't score a touchdown and they won like two games. Or three games. Yeah, that's ridiculous. The 2000 Ravens is up there with 85 Bears. It's up there with the, you know, the 86 Giants, the 91 Philadelphia Eagles, the 20, 2002 Buccaneers. Like, you think of the greatest yeah, defenses of all time. Are you going to mention the Broncos? I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to mention. I'm going to mention. Yeah. I'm going to mention both of their teams. I'm going to mention the 1977 Orange Crush. And the 2015 no-fly zone. Anyway, that's me talking about the Broncos again. Jake, 
Give us your random stat. Well, my random stat is in between uh, your kind of uh, time periods, and it's about the last team we were talking about, the LA Chargers, or as they were known back then, the San Diego Chargers, in 2010 are noted for having both the number one ranked offense and the number one ranked defense. They were the first team since the 1996 Packers to do so. But the impressive thing is they went 9-7 and seven and missed out on the playoffs for the first time in five years. And I think, I can't remember if it was our first show or our second show, me and Neil were talking about how important special teams were and how it may not be one-third of the, uh, the game, but it's certainly important. Football outsiders calculated that they had the worst special teams. So a team that had the number one ranked offense and the number one ranked defense with some unbelievable players. I mean, Philip Rivers, Antonio Gates, uh, uh, Tomlinson. Yeah. Some fantastic players. They went 9-7 and seven and missed the playoffs. They missed... <laughs> wow. Special team teams is stats. important. So That's why the Rams should, yeah, Rams should never have given up Johnny Hecker. No, they shouldn't. And I don't care what people say. Having seen special teams just destroy you when, when your offense is doing fine and your defense is playing well and then the other team returns a punt for a touchdown or they block your punt or, you know, you miss a field goal and, and, these, and all of your opposition's punts are going for 70 yards and all of yours are going for 35 and it just drives you up the wall. Special teams is so important and we cannot stress that enough. And Absolutely. that is, the and proof is in the pudding right there, Jake. I knew you would appreciate that one with uh, with the Broncos. <laughs> so uh, before we go, do we have anything to add, gentlemen? I think we've, uh, we've said it all, or I have anyway. Yeah, I think um, big shout out to the Rams for signing Alan Robinson. Uh, apart from that, yeah, I'm looking. Just I, I think we should just start the season now and watch the Rams get to another Super Bowl. We would love oh, to start case, the season. Wel- welcome home, Jameis. In that case, but I think uh, <laughs> next week what we'll do is we'll have our uh, draft, um, first mock draft. It's courtesy of Mister Ewan McPhail, and uh, we'll uh, look forward to that. So until then. Thank you very much. I've been Ian McKinnon, joined by Jake McGee. Cheerio. And Dave Somerville. See you next week. Take it easy, guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Winning Fashion.